Father, I do pray that, uh, Lord, tonight, that you would move on our hearts. God, we thank you that we can celebrate the birth of the, the one who came to save us. That we can begin to understand how great our salvation is. And I pray, Lord, I pray for anyone in here tonight who does not have a relationship with you that this would be the day, this would be the time of their salvation. That you would move in a mighty way in all of our hearts, God, those of us who know you, that you would draw us closer to you, those who don't, that you would draw them in to that relationship. God, that you would be glorified. Thank you that we have a time in the year where we can just stop and really focus on the fact that you came from heaven to earth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we uh, start tonight, I've titled this, and, and our theme kind of for the, the whole Christmas season is, is unexpected. And we're gonna read tonight that something extremely unexpected happened in Joseph's life. I like to call him Joey, so I'll probably call him Joey. But something extremely unexpected happened in his life, and you know what, tonight I'm praying that for some of you, something unexpected would happen in your life. That if you came here tonight and someone invited you and, and a, a friend asked you to come and, and you just you thought, yeah, well I can come and, and I can sit through something, I'm praying that God will move in your heart and that you will get that unexpected gift. All of us kind of understand the whole thing about unexpected things going on, but here's what really blows my mind, man. At Christmas time, a lot of us, we want things in order, right? We want things kind of going that way, and, and we want to keep it all together. And then I think of Mary and Joseph. You talk about a chaotic time in their life, and, you know, there's arguments. I know the whole arguments, did, was he born on December 25th? I really don't care. I know he was born, and so it's, we're going to celebrate it. So, you know, I don't want to get into that whole discussion with people. But I want us to think about, think about these were real people living in a real world, dealing with real things. And you talk about, you talk about unexpected. Look at verse 1. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Now I want to stop for just a moment and comment on something because he's beginning, he's going to tell us this is the beginning of Jesus Christ more than just the birth and let us know things. For 17 verses, we got his human background and his lineage. 17 verses to explain all of that. We get half a verse to explain the divine conception of Jesus. That's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. And there are a lot of people who say, this is a man-made thing, man made this up, and you know, and, and it's whole, all a religious thing, and, and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think if man was making up something about this miraculous birth, they would use a half a verse? They would, use, they would use volumes trying to explain it and trying to convince us. So kind of keep that in mind when you think a half a verse. And here's what I've noticed, whether we're talking about creation, whether we're talking about the Trinity, whether we're talking about Jesus being man and God or here the virgin birth of Christ, now all of those things, I've always noticed that God is very, very uh, uh, kind of blunt and short about those things. He doesn't try and explain it. 
And some of it, frankly, is a little bit unexplainable and we have to accept it by faith. Now God gives us evidence for our faith, but still we have to by faith. So here's, here's the deal. Here's how Jesus came to this place. So in the middle of verse 18, he says, after his mother was betrothed to Joseph and before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Now here is the first reference to the virgin birth. And I'm gonna talk about that as we go on and, and kind of wrap it up towards the end. That's extremely important. The fact that Mary was a virgin and conceived a child is important. And I want us to understand it's not important so God could go, woo, I did an awesome miracle that nobody else has done. Because sometimes I think people think that, that God's just trying to prove something. No, the virgin birth was important for you and I and our salvation. But here's the first reference, and, and now I want us to think about something. These two are betrothed, engaged in our, in our terminology. So they haven't married yet, but in their culture, once you were betrothed, it was binding. Well, here's what happened in their culture. Often, more, most marriages were arranged, and they were arranged by parents. Not a bad idea, huh? <laughs> Especially if you have a daughter. You're kind of thinking, yeah, I would like to have some control over that. But they were arranged, and after they were arranged, there came a point where the couple became betrothed or engaged. During that period, and it usually lasted about a year, they were considered married. If, hey, if a, if a, if a uh, fiance died during that time, if the, if the groom died during that time, the woman would have been considered a widow. And so we need to understand it was very binding and you have this young couple and they're in this relationship and it says Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now try and process that, Joey. Right? I mean, here you are, you're this young couple, you have your whole life ahead of you. You have everything ahead of you and you're looking forward to everything and now all of a sudden, your world blows up. You talk about unexpected. Hey, as far as he's concerned when he first hears it, she's been immoral. She's, she's gone out and, and had an affair with somebody. And how is Mary gonna explain that? How are you gonna explain to your fiance, uh, honey, I've got some news. I'm gonna have a child. And it's God's. You can't explain that, can you? And I want us to notice how silent Mary is during this part because she can't explain it. It's unexplainable. I mean, you can tell them what happened, but, but how many people are gonna accept that? And Joseph didn't at first. Listen, he got the news. He got this unexpected news. And then it says in verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, technically, according to Deuteronomy chapter 22, she was supposed to be stoned because she committed adultery. But notice, you gotta love Joseph. I, I don't think Joseph gets quite enough credit. I mean, you know, Mary, yeah, and, and hey, I don't, I don't think sometimes as Protestants we give Mary enough credit. But Joseph, think about his life. He's a real person. And now his fiance, this person he loved, this person he expected to have a great life, comes and tells him that. 
And he's a righteous guy. Here it says he's just. And yet, at the same time, he's sensitive and caring. And he loves Mary, and he's not going to put her to death. And he's not even going to humiliate her publicly. He comes up with this thing, we'll just, and when it says put her away, it's divorce. We'll just, we'll just end this relationship quietly and secretly, and she can go her way and I'll go my way. Why? Because she, in his mind, she had been unfaithful. And then check this out, man. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this is happening, and when you go to bed at night and something's bothering you, you sleep really well, don't you? Man, you just go over it and over it, and especially something like that, you're going over all the scenarios. How can I do this? What can I do? And I'm sure Joseph wasn't much different than us, and I believe, listen, at night he's kind of restless, and verse 20 says, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. God always shows up at the right time, doesn't he? So an angel of the Lord showed up to him and appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So now listen, first of all, the angel, the angel uh, calls him Joseph, son of David. He recognizes that lineage, that's important because the Messiah has to come from the line of David. And that's why the first 17 verses are giving us Joseph's background. And then in Matthew chapter two, we get Mary's background and both of them come from the line of David two different ways. But hey, that had to happen. And the angel says, hey, son of David. And then he says, listen, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. That's incredible. It's like, it's okay, Joey. It might be okay for you, angel. But I'm in real life. I gotta deal with this. And angel says, hey, and then this is the second time. Second time, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Second time that the virgin birth is brought up. This is important because in five or six verses here, it's gonna come up four times. So it must be something important for us to understand. So again, I don't, know, I don't know how hard that would be to process. Okay, an angel shows up, and we're gonna find out it wasn't just like a, he, you know, he ate a bad pizza or something and had a weird dream. An angel shows up, Joseph is processing that. He says, don't be afraid to take her, and then he even gives him more instructions. Look at verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. How great that is. Listen, and here's, here's what I love. A father always named their son or their child. That was a father's responsibility. And that was a father, again, exercising authority over that child who named Jesus. Not Joey. God named Jesus. Why? Because God's his father. And he says, you're going to call his name Jesus, Joshua, which, which he says, listen, you're going to call him that. Why? Because he's going to come and save his people from their sins. My Bible tells us that we're all sinners, that everyone sins. So we can't kind of cop out and say, not me. I don't think you're the one person 
in the universe of, of all of humanity, of all of history, who hasn't sinned. The Bible says everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we need salvation as we think about that. Listen, I believe, I believe everyone needs to be saved. And I believe we need to be saved from evil, but I think we also need to be saved to something great. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. When we talk about, as Christians, sometimes we, we just blurt out the word saved and people are going, oh, are you saved? I don't know. No, you need to be saved. You have, you have sinned against a holy God. And you need to be saved. So, so this one coming is coming to save. And, and uh, you know, I, I kind of like the whole idea is, you know, he didn't only save us from the guilt and the penalty of sin, but also its power. And Jesus came to do that. He came from heaven for that. He didn't just come so we could celebrate one time a year and put up trees and give each other gifts and, and be kind of a joyous time. He came to save us from our sins. So then, then, listen, after he says this, verse 22, he says, so all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which which is translated God with us. Hey, Matthew's quoting Isaiah chapter seven. And he says that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Third time, by the way, she's, it's mentioned that she was a virgin. Obviously, this is becoming important. Now, this is a place where a lot of people who are more liberal scholars, I'm not talking about politics, I'm talking about, about uh, theology, who are a little bit, they, they say, oh, no, 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 this doesn't mean, if you go back and you read Isaiah, that Hebrew word in Isaiah isn't virgin, it's a young woman. Now, you gotta know some history of what's going on. When people say that, I think, do you even read Isaiah? Number one, you need to read Isaiah 7, 8, and 9 to get the whole context of what's being said, but we don't have time for that tonight. But hey, real briefly, there was trouble in Judah, and the king was in serious trouble. And Isaiah came to him and he said, dude, you're in serious trouble. Ask God for a sign. I'm really kind of shortening it and paraphrasing everything. Ask God for a sign. And the king goes, I'm not asking for no sign. I don't need a sign. And Isaiah said, you know what? A sign's going to be given to you anyway because you're a dork and I'm going to give you a sign. <laughs> and he says, here's the sign. A virgin shall be with child. Now, again, the people are saying, no, that just means young woman. Would there be a sign a young woman will be with child? There's a lot of young women with child, right? Woman is, is. That happens all the time. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of silly. And number two, here's what he's doing. He's pointing, Isaiah is pointing to this time in history. And here's what he's telling that king. Israel is not going to be annihilated because that was the biggest fear. Judah is not going to be annihilated. The lineage of David is not going to be annihilated. How do I know? Because a virgin will be with child. This is going to happen. This is so, so I believe that. And then, and then, I love it. His name shall be called Emmanuel. Now, if you read your Bible, Jesus is never called Emmanuel. So this is more of a description of who he is and he is God with us. So he says, now, now, just stop for a minute. You're Joey. All of this, 
hey, you, first of all, you got the whole idea of pregnancy, what's going on there, and then you're like mulling things over and you're like thinking about putting her away. I don't know if him and, him and uh, Mary are having much of a conversation. Maybe they're texting each other and, and making sure, I, I don't know what's going on. But hey, a lot of stuff is happening. And now you have, listen, now you have this coming into your life and you have this angel. How do you process all of that? How do you begin to even understand that? Because you know, there's parts of this that we don't understand today even with all of the study and everything we have. We're never going to understand how Mary was impregnated. We're not gonna understand that. Oh, we get a little bit. We understand that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, but listen carefully. This is not God having sex with a woman. That's mythology. That's crazy stuff. This is God doing a miracle and planting in that woman a seed and the seed is fully man and fully God. And so, hey, that's going on. So, um, hey, we have a hard time. I don't completely understand that, but I accept it by faith. And here, listen, here, imagine Joseph. I'm thinking of Joseph. You're going, man, that was insane. So listen to verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel commanded him. Don't you love that? Here's what Joey said. All right, I'm not gonna divorce her. I'm not gonna put her away. I'm gonna take her as my wife. And I'm gonna do this. Now we're gonna go to chapter two, Luke chapter two in a minute, but we gotta finish this up. And, and this kind of jumps ahead and so we'll back up a little bit. But he did as the, angel, as the Lord commanded him and he took to him his wife and he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Joshua, Yahweh saves. Now you gotta love that. Listen man, not only is he a just man, a righteous man, a sensitive man. He's also obedient to what God shows him. And hey, again, that's going against everything. You talk about unexpected. Now he's got this whole, how am I gonna deal with this? What are we gonna tell people? You can't explain to, you're gonna tell your neighbors, oh, well, yeah, she's, uh, it's God. You gotta deal with that. And then it tells us he did not know her, meaning, they did not consummate their marriage in any way whatsoever till after Jesus was born. Fourth time. Why is the virgin birth so important? Why is that so, why is that, even here in Matthew, why is it brought up four times in six verses? It's because if Jesus was not born of a virgin, he cannot be who he said he was. And if he's not who he said he was, you and I are in trouble. If Jesus is not fully God and fully man, our salvation, we cannot be saved. And listen, again, I wanna emphasize, it's not just so God can say, whoa, look at this great miracle, and I'm not defending it just because I wanna defend miracles. I'm defending it. My salvation depends on this because the one who saves me has to be God because only God can pay for my sin for, that I owe for all of eternity in a moment of time. Only God can do that. And he's got to be fully man because he's got to walk a sinless life to be able to do that. So that's who he is. And so we get that information. Now, now, let's do some more unexpected. Let's go to Luke chapter 2 because this isn't over. 
So let's, let's back up. So he took her as his wife. And it's like, okay, honey, you know what? We're, we're gonna hang out here in Nazareth, right? That's where they lived. We're gonna hang out here in Nazareth. You'll have the baby. We'll work things out with the neighbors. And, you know, hey, and they're gonna be marked forever. But we'll do that. We don't care. We'll handle that. And then it tells us in Luke chapter two, verse one, and it came to pass, and it came to pass in those days that the decree went out from uh, Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Do you know what's going on here? In these first couple of verses, here's what's going on. Rome decided to tax the people. That's always exciting, huh? Taxes at Christmas time. <laughs> Unexpected. Joseph and Mary were not expecting to take a trip at this time. One more thing, unexpected, interrupting their lives, coming in, and they've got to decide whether they're going to follow it or not. And that's a challenge for all of us. Now this great unexpected thing, you guys need to take a trip, you need to go, you need to go to your homeland or to the place where, where your descendants are and you need to get registered and you need to pay your taxes. It's bad enough, we just have to pay taxes. Thank God we don't have to go, well, I'm not far from where I was born, so I could do that, but some of us have to go a long ways, right? So you gotta go do that, and so I love this, man. Verse four, Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it's like, hey, honey, we're gonna go on a trip. How far? 100, 150 miles. Is the car warmed up? <laughs> eh, we haven't invented cars yet. Now, it is interesting. A lot of, a lot of the things we think and a, a lot of the songs and stuff talk about a donkey. There's no donkey mentioned. And we go, wow, here's, you know, our Christmas carols, they're, they're fun to sing and they're good, but some of them theologically... Biblically, they're way off. Now, I don't want to ruin them for you, but hey, Mary didn't, it, she may have rode a donkey, but it doesn't say she rode a donkey. They just took off. Imagine, imagine ladies, you know, I, I haven't had a baby. Imagine you're nine months pregnant and you got to take a trip, a, you know, 100, 150 mile trip on foot or donkey either way. I don't think that'd make it much better. That's intense. Joseph, are you sure we have to go? Yeah, honey, I'm from, I'm from the lineage of David. We gotta go. We gotta do this thing. We gotta pay our taxes. But I'm pregnant. I know you're pregnant. But we gotta do this. Wow, so away they go on their journey, man. I just think of that. That's gotta be crazy. So it was, verse six, that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Now, I love the way, I love the way the New King James puts it. While she was there, for her to be delivered. Do you pick up on that? Not for the baby to be delivered, but for Mary to be delivered from the baby. Right? It's like, get this out of me. It's like, I don't, again, I've not had a child. My, I remember my wife telling me that, that, you know, get this thing out of me now. So it came time for her to be delivered. And it says, and she brought forth her firstborn and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. By the way, the innkeeper's not involved here. 
Because people say the innkeeper said there's no room. Doesn't say that. It just says there was no room for them. So get this, moms, especially you moms who are a little bit germaphobic. You take your little guy and you wrap him up in, in swaddling clothes. And there, you know, there's some debate about that. I believe that was a kind of a natural thing that, that they did then. And even today, it's kind of coming back where you wrap a baby real tight in, in some, some uh, sheets or I mean, blankets. And it's kind of coming back today. They would wrap them tight so they'd feel secure. That part, that part isn't, isn't weird. What's weird is laid them in a manger. You know what a manger is? It's a feeding trough. It's not some sterilized, nice piece of wood like this and everything's clean. It's got, you know, it's got sheep slobber, donkey slobber, all that stuff. They're eating out of it. And you take your little one and you go, here, honey. Gee. How many of you moms would do that? I don't think many. I remember when my wife brought our daughter home, it was like I couldn't even, I couldn't even hold her. It's like you might have germs. Stick them in that. I mean, think about, and think about Mary and just her faith. And, and so listen, she, she puts them in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. So now we move the camera to the, to the field, right? And verse eight, now there were some in the country, there were some in that same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Don't you love that man? Hey, think about this angel, man, and, and he He's there and he's giving this great announcement. Now, here's what sort of blows my mind. For millenniums, angels haven't had much to do. And then in this like year and a half period, they are busy. They gotta go see Zechariah. They gotta go see Mary. They gotta go see Joey. They gotta go visit the shepherds. They gotta do, and the angels are like, whoa, yes. And they're out there celebrating and they're, listen what they say to these shepherds. And of all people, shepherds, right? Isn't it strange what God does and how God works? If you were gonna send the Savior to the world and he's God, would you stick him in a manger? Or would you put him in a large city with beacons of lights going and let the entire universe know he's here? Strange. God goes and tells shepherds, and you know, I've talked about it before. Shepherds are, are unsavory characters. They, they weren't like, they didn't have the best reputation in town. So God, God sends the angel to appear to them, and here's what he says, verse 12. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Once again, wrapped in swaddling clothes, not a huge deal, but lying in a manger, moms didn't do that. If you don't do it now, you didn't do it then. So that's going to be a sign, and I can imagine these guys. Now, I can imagine these shepherds, even as shepherds are going, that would be a little weird. Who puts their baby in a manger? Mangers are funky. So that's going to be the sign. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see the thing that, that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. 
Wow, now imagine that. You're Mary and Joseph. You kind of, he kind of maybe got through the shock of having to stick your child in a manger, something rather unexpected. And now you have complete strangers, unsavory people, running up to you wanting to see your baby. You know, I'm not going to show you my baby. Get out of here. What's the matter with you? And they got to deal with that. I'm thinking, and they're young. I don't think they were over, I don't think they were over 16, 17 years old. Trying to process all this. I, I believe we kind of lose sight of the whole humanness of everything that's going on in this young couple's life and how faithful they were to whatever God showed them. That's amazing to me. Because I believe most of us who are more mature wouldn't be that faithful to God. We would question him. We would ask him, are you sure you really want to do this, God? Because I'm not sure this is a good way to do this. And Mary and Joseph just do it. So the angels show up. Joseph's there. Again, a little bit unexpected. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at these things which were told them by the shepherd. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. Mary's pondering them. Don't you think Joseph was too? I think Joseph's on board. And here's what you have. The greatest unexpected gift at Christmas time came. Christ our Lord. Joseph didn't expect it. Mary didn't expect it. The shepherds didn't expect it. But here he came. He came, and he came for one reason. He came to save us from our sins. How great that is. And when we just stop and ponder, some of us are going to have some unexpected things happen in the next couple days. Maybe tonight and tomorrow. Maybe you get some really awesome unexpected things. Maybe some not so awesome unexpected things. There's receipts. <laughs> but things are gonna come our way, and hey, when things come our way, and some, some of us may even have things that are gonna rock our world. Are you gonna trust Jesus through it? The only way you're gonna do that if you know him. So maybe some people invited you to come here tonight, and, and you kind of made it through. We're at the end now, and you can release a little bit. You're okay, you made it all the way to the end. Nothing too terrible happened yet. <laughs> but you know what? I want to give you an invitation to receive the greatest gift that was ever given. And that's a gift of eternal life. Jesus came to save us from our sins. And you can either accept that or reject that. It's up to you. But I would say, if God's like tugging on your heart right now, call on his name and you will be saved. Let's stand up and pray.